The Evolution of Everything by Matt Ridley. One sentence summary. The evolution of everything compares creationist to evolutionist thinking, showing how the process of evolution we know from biology underlies and permeates the entire world, including society, morality, religion, culture, economics, money, innovation, and even the internet. My favorite quote from the author is, The things that go well are largely unintended. The things that go badly are largely intended. Matt Ridley Whether you're religious or not, chances are you have at one point struggled with making sense of how the human species as we know it today came into being. Religious people usually point to God, Jehovah or Allah. In the case of ancient Greece, even to several gods like Zeus, Hades and Poseidon. Agnostics and atheists always refer to Charles Darwin and his theory of evolution. Matt Ridley stopped asking who's right and instead accepted both approaches as different doctrines, which shape how we see all kinds of aspects of the world. Not just religion and science, but things like culture, society, morality, business, markets, money, and even the internet. These three lessons from The Evolution of Everything will show you how. 1. Evolutionist and creationist thinking are two opposing views, and creationist thinking dominates the Western world. 2. Culture, economics and technology all progress through evolution. 3. Money changed from evolutionist to creationist subject, and the same might happen with the internet. Ready to get your gears spinning about one of the most controversial topics in history? Let's see the arguments. The Evolution of Everything, Lesson 1. In the battle of evolutionist versus creationist, creationism dominates most of the Western world. This answers the question, what is the dominant point of view on life and history in the Western world? Before we get started, we do well to define what evolutionist and creationist even means. Evolution in its original sense meant unfolding, and therefore was used to describe how things would gradually change when there was no specific plan. You would just let things take their course and see what happens. Creation, on the other hand, always suggests an active element of planning and designing. Something is calculated and then executed. Throughout history, creationist thinking has come to shape much of our worldview, especially in the Western world. Ancient Egyptians devoted their lives to gods like Ra, Seth and Anubis. So did the Greeks. Later, the Catholic and Protestant Church would reduce their religion to just one god, but their destiny still wasn't theirs to decide. Friedrich Nietzsche said societies depend on strong leaders to flourish, and Karl Marx suggested that only a planned economy could thrive. All of these approaches argue that we need someone at the top to organize us, in order for progress to happen. Matt Ridley not only argues that this is false, but that the opposing view of evolutionism goes back to long before Darwin ever investigated animals on the Galapagos Islands. In fact, over 400 years before Christ, two Greek philosophers, Leukippus and Democritus, inspiration to the famous Epicurus, already theorized that the world was made up of atoms, small, indivisible parts, which changed and transformed at random, and were therefore not part of any grand scheme. The Evolution of Everything Lesson 2 In culture, economics and technology, progress is based on evolution. 
This answers the question, where can we most clearly see that evolutionist thinking is the dominating force in our world? What started in ancient Greece as a theory to make sense of the world turned into a never-ending series of questions, such as, if God designed both humans and the earth, who designed God? To add oil to the fire, Darwin came up with his theory of evolution, which says that multicellular organisms have developed from single-cell organisms to increase their chances of survival, and that all subsequent changes are also based on a survival-of-the-fittest process of natural selection. By the late 1970s, Richard Dawkins even suggested that genes themselves are at the core of this process, simply using animal and human bodies as vessels to ensure their survival which is backed by the fact that many of our genes serve no useful purpose. They seem to just be tagging along. Regarding the history of biology, evolutionist thinking has been widely accepted as the norm in the Western world, but is still a very controversial topic around the globe. What's much more interesting and much more hidden is how an evolutionary process takes place in things like culture, economics and technology too. Languages are made from small building blocks, words, all using the same elements the alphabet, which are then combined into sentences and phrases, and only the most used ones survive. Markets progress on their own by testing products and services people offer and eliminating, by not rewarding them with money, the ones that don't serve human needs. Technology is an iterative process too, based on trial and error, prototypes and experiments, only the best of which eventually make it into everyone's hands, like the smartphone that you might be holding right now. The Evolution of Everything, Lesson 3. The concept of money changed from evolutionist to creationist, and the same could happen to the internet. This answers the question uh, about some of the most important technology and advancements in history, like money and the internet, which kind of thinking dominates them. With that, an important question to ask is this. Where in our world do we conform to a creationist way of thinking when really an evolutionary process is what drives progress? Take money, for example. Dating back to as early as ancient Egypt, where gold bars were traded in exchange for goods, and when coins started being minted in India, China and Greece, independent of one another, there was no central system to regulate money, like we have today with federal banks. But it still worked. In Sweden, in the 19th century, several banks printed their own currencies, competing with each other for the use of their banknotes, without putting any one bank out of business. And Canada did not have a central bank until 1935, which helped them survive the Great Depression unscathed. So, somewhere along the lines, the evolutionist thinking was taken out of money, which leaves us stuck with the slow, fragile and crisis-prone system we have today. I mean, 2008, anyone? We depend on a few individuals to create all of the world's money and distribute it, and it clearly has slowed down progress. Thanks to the internet, there's hope though. With loyalty programs for airplane miles, digital payments like PayPal or mobile credit, and virtual currencies like Bitcoin, it seems we're slowly back on track. Let's hope the internet stays evolutionist then. Some governments, like China's, are already trying to convert it to a creationist medium, in which an elite few decide what you can and can't access. And that's surely no sign of progress. Here's what I learned from The Evolution of Everything by Matt Ridley. The first thing I learned from this summary is that I wrote about Bitcoin on August 26, 2016 and I only bought it in July 2017. I'm a 
stupid idiot. <laughs> um, I don't know what the... Let me just do it for fun. I'll look up the price. Oh my God, this is not going to be fun. So I bought Bitcoin July 2017 at I think about 2000 it was almost $3000 at the time maybe $2800 or something um judging from the from the euro price in uh August uh, 26 2016 it was uh let me see 2016 August yeah, it was around $500 then. So I would have five and doubled. I would have 10xed my money by now if I had put it in then. Oh, well, good good for you, Nick. Catching, uh, good, catching interesting developments early on and then not uh, using the opportunities. So much for that, right? Um, okay, but I actually do want to talk more about Bitcoin because it fits into this evolutionary, uh, in this evolutionist uh, thinking case. I want to talk a, a little more about it in general. So obviously this is a huge debate, right? Um, I don't want to tell you, I don't want to tell anyone what they should believe in or what kind of story they should believe. Um, personally, I would say agnostic probably is probably a good term, right? So technically, I don't really believe in uh, like that there's one god or something like that. Uh, I I do think that karma is real. So yeah, I think that pretty much puts it in a nutshell. Like karma is real. Like if you do good things i think good things will come back to you what kind of force there is that 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 sort of manages all this whether it's just coincidence or i don't know um but i think there's i don't know it, it would be weird if there would be no sensical sensical thing behind all this um then again like i'm i do believe in evolution and the way this process works like that the survival of the fittest doesn't mean survival of the strongest. It just means survival of who is able to fit themselves to the environmental conditions the best, right? So whoever adapts wins. And that happens all the time. You see it everywhere, obviously. Um, biology made it clear. And the whole genome idea is really interesting. So if you want to learn more about the biological side of evolution and why that's so fascinating... Richard Dawkins has a book called The Selfish Gene. It's also on 4-Minute Books. Check that one out. That one was pretty mind-blowing in the sense that it says what I put in the summary. Like, our genes are basically the force that is evolving and we are just the vessel, right? And that's why things like cancer happen. That's why... So the genes are evolving and are weeding out the weak genes and continuing to pass on the stronger ones and trying to get from host to host to host. Um... You can see that in that genes change from generation to generation, right? But just slightly. So you don't have the same genes as your parents or your great-grandparents, but they're similar, but they're not exactly the same. So genes really go through this evolutionary process. Now, there's one interesting aspect uh, to note about evolution that makes it so strong and at the same time so terrifying, which is that evolution, the process of evolution, this whole adaptation and elimination of whoever and whichever is not element is not fit, is an anti-fragile process. That's another book by Nassim Nicholas Taleb called Anti-Fragile, which I would encourage you to check out. And the idea is that uh, anti-fragile is not just... So when you have a box of glasses, 
you know the cartons where it says fragile on the side let's say there's glasses wine glasses in there that means these things break easily right the contents of the package break easily now the opposite of fragile usually we just say something is robust right it, it's resistant it's resistant it resists uh, force but that's not the opposite of fragile because it doesn't get stronger right it just resists better so if you have something that's not fragile it means it doesn't break easily but it doesn't mean that if you try to break it it gets better and that's what anti-fragile is so basically a box with contents that were anti-fragile if you threw the box around and tossed it around in say the postman's van then whatever is inside would get better because it's anti-fragile. It, it thrives on instability, on chaos, on, on the attempt to break it. And that's what evolution is. Because evolution is always a process of, let's say, let's take human evolution. In the crudest sense, humanity has always had the same, the same evolutionary process. The weak humans die, the weak humans are automatically weeded out in the course, and the strong ones remain. And then the traits of the strong ones are reinforced because the strong ones, they mate and have kids and they continue. And then when the conditions change, maybe the strong ones are not the strong ones anymore and the weak ones are now the strong ones because they have different genes, different conditions. And then again, the weak ones die. Um, and that system is anti-fragile because it has it consists of many, many parts that are in themselves fragile and offer feedback to the overall system. So basically for evolution, the idea would be if you think of evolution as something hovering over humankind, then the humans would be like little tests. Every human is a test. And if a human dies, that means that human was not fit. And that the, the human death delivers feedback to the evolutionary process saying this human was not fit for this environment. And that's a sign that, that the elements of the genes of that human, for example, were too weak. And a human that survives or lives a long life is a feedback that, yeah, this works, this is good, so we need more of those genes, for example. And that's how evolution, by having lots and lots of fragile components, becomes anti-fragile and becomes a powerful process. So the more you try to break evolution, so to speak, or to corner it in any wherever it happens, the more it lash out and, and, and power back and rally and become stronger. And now you can apply this process to pretty much anything you see, right? As we talked about uh, markets, for example, businesses. Um, business, like the, the market of all businesses, let's say the market of all social media platforms, right? If you take that, it consists of many, many social media platforms, all of which are fragile because if they run out of money, they, they break. They uh, become insolvent and they disappear. So that means that that's feedback to the market that this company was not a good fit. Then again, the, the ones with the products that do well, that work, they survived. They are the strongest. And so the market of business or the market of all social media companies is an anti-fragile market because it has many, many fragile parts that may, might, might break. But overall, if you try to attack the market as a whole, someone will always rally and the, and the companies that are a good fit will come back up and shine and be stronger as a result. And that's the same with, again, everything. Yes, you saw language, uh, technology, um, obviously biology. Uh, it happens in, in culture where, for example, when you take an artist uh, or let's say a movement of painters and suddenly those get forbidden. I remember times like the prohibition in the United States. Alcohol was forbidden. What happened? 
the alcohol market rallied, right? Because, of course, all of the vendors officially shut down, but then some who adapted to the circumstances, they opened the bars in their basement and they illegally handed out the alcohol and the alcohol market was thriving, right? So evolution always finds its way back. And that's really, really cool when you just try to spot, like, where is evolution going on? And you see it's literally everywhere. So, um, yeah, uh, been rambling for a while. Uh, two important aspects I want to just highlight again are the internet and money, because when we get evolution there, imagine a world where there are no central banks, uh, where you can pay anyone across the world any amount of money and you don't need anyone to verify it. That's basically Bitcoin and the blockchain. Um, and then again, look at countries like China who try to centralize everything. When China says like, oh no, you don't get to use Google, you don't get to use Facebook, what happens? People use VPNs, they circumvent the safety measures and they try to use it anyway. So time and time again, it seems to prove that creationist thinking or when people try to centralize the power to a few elite uh, members of the society, then all hell breaks loose and eventually evolution comes through. That's the trend I see right now. Um, watch the internet, watch Bitcoin. It, it's, it's happening a lot there. Internet with censorship, uh, Bitcoin again as, as um, the opponent of money, of classic fiat money. So watch those processes there. Try to spot evolution elsewhere. It's uh, lots of fun. Such a deep topic, such a complicated topic. Could talk about it for hours. Um, but I hope you're just intrigued enough to learn more about it now. The evolution of everything, Matt Ridley. I hope you enjoyed and I will see you on one of the next summaries.